Good afternoon and welcome. Uh, especially welcome to the last panel of the day for the second annual Texas Tribune Festival. Not that I'm biased, but I do believe that we saved the best for last. Uh, I will be serving as your moderator today. My name is Dr. Victoria M. Francesco Soto. I am a fellow at the Center for Politics and Governance at the LBJ School. I'm also a senior research analyst for Latino Decisions and an MSNBC contributor. Let me get a bit of housekeeping out of the way before we get started. First of all, if I could ask you all to silence your cell phones um, and please refrain from using them except if you are tweeting about the panel with hashtag, I believe it's Texas Tribune, oh, Tribune Fest. Uh, and I also want to remind you, I'll remind you at the end of the panel, but following this panel, we're going to be going over to the Schlotz Garden. Schultz Garden, okay, so you can tell I haven't been there. Uh, and we're going to be having a reception there from 5 to 8 p.m. with the Gavin Tabone Quartet. Uh, following the panelist discussion, there will be 15, 20 minutes for questions and answers. Given that I am a teacher by training, I'm very strict. I'm very strict in my instructions that I gave to my panelists uh, because I want to make sure that we get the most out of them and also the most out of your questions. So I will provide some brief comments, some brief overview about voter ID, and then each of the panelists will have five minutes to present their case and then a five-minute rebuttal. I will then um, take the floor and ask them some targeted questions, then transitioning into your questions. Uh, so let me begin by introducing my esteemed panelists here. First, we have Jose Aliceda from Beeville. He was elected to the Texas House in 2010 and has served on the Criminal Jurisprudence Committee and the Environmental Regulations Committee. Representative Aliceda has the honor of being voted House Republican Caucus Freshman of the Year by fellow legislators in the 82nd session. Representative Aliceda is a lawyer by training and has served in the U.S. Navy JAG Corps, has been a county attorney and a county judge. Now, I'd like to introduce Democratic Representative Trey Martinez-Fisher from San Antonio. He is currently serving his sixth term in the Texas House of Representatives and is the chairman of the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus, the oldest and largest Latino legislative caucus in the U.S. Representative Martinez-Fisher was recognized as one of the top 30 most influential Democrats in Texas by Campaigns and Elections magazine. Like his co-panelist, Representative Martinez Fisher is also a lawyer and practices law in San Antonio. Both of our panelists have been at the forefront of the debate of the voter ID, both here in Texas and nationally, but I'm hoping that the fact that they're both longhorns will help mitigate <laughs> some of that. For both bulls. You're, there we go. Uh, so prior to 2011, we hadn't really seen any talk of voter ID. It's almost as if it popped out of nowhere in 2011. In the previous decade, we had only seen three instances of voter ID legislation come to the fore, Maryland, Arizona, and Indiana, and it only went through legislatively in Arizona and Indiana. Uh, in the, but since 2011, 34 states have introduced legislation requiring voters to show photo identification, and another additional four states have introduced legislation and showing uh, identification for registering to vote. Now, of all of these states, we have seen the photo ID bills 
signed into law in eight states, Texas being one of them. Uh, and so when we're talking about voter ID, we first have to zoom out and, and, and look at what led us to where we are today. And we have to look at the 2000 election. And given the controversies surrounding the, the ballots and the voting procedures, especially in Florida, we saw that in 2000, the Bush administration, alongside Congress at the time, decided that we needed to normalize and regularize some of our voting procedures. As a result, we saw the Help American Vote Act, HAVA, which was passed by overwhelming majorities in both the House and the Senate. And the HAVA mandates states that all localities must upgrade aspects of their voting procedures. And how that relates to us and to the debate we're having today is that it increased federal election requirements really for the first time since the passage of the Voting Rights Act. So first-time voters who registered to vote by mail had to present a voter ID. If you didn't vote by mail, if you voted in person, then you didn't have to present one. But that, that's really the first time we've seen the, that photo ID enter into the equation. Um, you could, however, bring additional forms of identification, such as a utility bill or some sort of other bill. So since the passage of HAVA, with the three exceptions I noted earlier, we had not seen any significant legislative action with regards to voting and identification. Interest in legislatively modifying electoral procedures happened in 2011, though, in the wake of the 2010 midterm elections where we saw a Republican sweep at all levels of government, but especially at the state level. And the GOP caucuses have been very forthright in saying that they are concerned with the integrity of the voting process and ensuring that people who are not supposed to vote are not voting. But then at the same time, the Democratic side is saying that they're very concerned in ensuring that people who are supposed to vote do get that right to vote. Both parts are equally concerned with the integrity of the voting process, but how that integrity is attained is the cause of this debate. And with that, I will open it up first to Representative Aliceda. Well, uh, I'd like to comment. I think your, your view of the history is a little uh, misinformed because we've been trying to get voter ID passed in Texas for, I think, the last three legislative sessions. This, is, this concept is nothing but new. But it did not come forward. It did not come. Well, it, it didn't get voted on. Let's exactly. put it that way. There were some pre procedural uh, maneuvers that, were, that occurred, and it didn't get voted on. But uh, this is not a new idea, voter ID. In fact, it came out of the, the Carter-Baker Commission. The recommendation to have voter identification, photo identification, came out of the Carter-Baker Commission. That is, President Carter who is not the most conservative individual, uh, also made the recommendation that we have a standardized photo voter ID procedure. Um, this is 2012, this is the United States of America. It makes common sense that we have photo ID for voting. We, do, we need it for everything else we do in today's society, uh, from driving to getting on an airplane to uh, applying for government benefits, why not for voting? And, and the reason that I think it's important for voting is because even the Carter-Baker Commission said that voter fraud exists. 
But more importantly, they think it's that, that it was an, an issue for confidence in the electoral system. Because Americans have become used to showing their ID for anything of moderate importance, they think that our system needs to be protected by a common sense solution, such as sh showing a, a photo identification for voting. So I think it's a, uh, a, a reasonable, sensible, simple solution to inspire confidence in the electoral system, and that's why I support voter ID. Okay, so then we are going to pass over to Representative Martinez Fisher. Well, not, not to be a stickler for details, actually voter ID was first introduced in 2005. Uh, it's a, we've been dealing with this for four sessions, and frankly, voter ID is a solution in search of a problem. Now, let's take a perspective, and I, I, I agree with a lot that Jose says. It's, you know, voting is very important, we need IDs, absolutely. But getting on an airplane is not in the United States Constitution, but voting is. And so let me tell you, let's look at this from a 10,000-foot view. When we legislated voter ID in 2011, all we had was the election data of 2010. And we could look back at election data in 2008, and here's what we know. 13 million registered voters in the state of Texas after the 2010 election. There were four referrals to the Attorney General's office for complaints and allegations of voter ID, in-person voter impersonation. And there were two indictments. And of the two indictments, only one proceeded with a criminal prosecution because the second indictment, it was determined that a woman in San Antonio uh, did not meet the mental state requirement. She did not have the mens rea to commit a crime. So 13 million voters, one indictment for in-person voter impersonation. And when Texas Republicans made the decision to pass voter ID, they knew at the time that there were 795,000, almost 796,000 registered voters in this state that did not have a driver's license and did not have a state ID. And we were willing to throw them under the bus for one indictment. And then any opportunity that was made to make this bill even a little bit more palatable was rejected flatly on party lines, most of the time without debate. And so frankly, if we're really talking about bringing integrity at the ballot box, you know, when we're talking about you know, marriage, we talk about the you know, sanctity of marriage, and uh, you know, we always talk about it in these very big emotional terms. When we really get down to it, uh, if this is such a problem, it was, de it was deemed an emergency item by the governor, but yet you didn't see the expense of emergency dollars from our rainy day fund to pick up the tab to make birth certificates free. Uh, you didn't see the rainy day fund be used to make DPS offices accessible to the 81 counties in Texas that do not have a DPS office. That's over a third of, a third of the state counties did not have a DPS office, but we didn't expend and appropriate any of the billions of dollars we have in our rainy day fund. If this is such a problem, and we really, really want to fix it and get it right, I believe we can. This is not it. And frankly, if you read the court's opinion, I brought it with me, you will find that this, that this, that this court rejected the voter ID law on the, on the first pitch. They didn't even have to get into intentional discrimination because they found the law as proposed to be retrogressive. And so on the very first pitch of the Voting Rights Act, this was rejected. And so frankly, you know, you see this across the country, 33, now 34 states are dealing with this. It almost seems as if a, 
you know, elections clock ticks off right before a national election. You know, and, and frankly, it's voter ID last year. Today, it's uh, using Homeland Security databases to verify that there aren't any uh, undocumented people registered to vote. Uh, and frankly, we know, where the, we know where the fraud is. The fraud is in mail ballots, poll worker activity, and election judges. That's where all the fraud is. Even the Attorney General will tell you that. If you look at all the records that the Attorney General has right now, that's where the problem is. Voter ID, SB 14, wouldn't touch a single one of those issues. And that's the problem. If you really want to fix elections and make them safe, let's go where the problem is. Let's not create one. All right, excellent. Rebuttal from Representative Alicet. Well, the Supreme Court's already addressed this issue, and they addressed it. They didn't have to find in Indiana that there was, in fact, voter fraud, in-person voter fraud. They said that voter ID was a sense, simple, sensible, common sense approach to a potential of fraud. They also said, and once again I repeat myself, that uh, voter ID inspires confidence in the system. As I said earlier, this is modern America. And everything we do here requires some kind, anything of moderate importance requires some kind of sensible security procedure, such as showing an identification card. Mr. Martinez Fisher mentioned the 795,000 Texans that don't have identification card. I don't believe that for a second that that many people exist. Who in this society does not have an identification card? If they are on welfare roads, if they are on welfare rolls, they have to have an ID to qualify. If they, if they are into government housing, they have to have an identification card to get into government housing. Why? To, to prevent fraud. These people do not exist. Do you know anyone that does not have an identification card? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I think if you come to, if you come to ask them how they function in today's society without an identification card, they won't be able to. The only person I know that might not have an identification card is the Unabomber. Okay. Well, with that, I will allow the, the rebuttal. You know, I, I, it is okay. It is okay that Jose does not believe that 795,000 people uh, are registered to vote and don't have a state ID or a driver's license. It doesn't matter. This is what the Attorney General said. This is what his side said. I didn't make that number up. They offered that. That's what their databases show. So it matters not. And frankly, you can never have this sort of exchange if you fail to see the facts. These are the facts. Uh, and, and so, you know, this is a moderately important event. I didn't use an ID to valet my car or walk into this hotel and sit next to the, you know, executive director of the Texas Department of Transportation in the green room. I mean, come on. There were two young women, and I, I saw this. I was reading Jose Lacedo's response to the Texas Monthly article and said that no one has presented any credible evidence that, that there are people without IDs. Because, of course, you know, when you're in that 47%, you need them for government housing and, you know, and, and government jobs and government handouts. But two young Latinas, freshmen, freshmen or I guess fresh women, at St. Mary's University, graduates of the Brooks Academy were able to leave their parents' house in San Antonio, Texas, board a plane, and fly from San Antonio to BWI Airport, buy some train tickets, and board a train, travel to Washington, D.C., check into a hotel room, get a room, and walk into a United States federal courthouse 
500 yards away from our nation's capital and did it all with a high school ID. Now you tell me, if we can do all those things with a high school ID, oh, let me stop. And they managed to take the stand and give testimony. And when they were asked, you need an ID to get a blockbuster. You need an ID to buy a beer. This is what they said. We're from the poor south side of San Antonio. We live with our parents. And the minute we get a driver's license, we go on the house insurance for the car. And my parents cannot afford the premium because we have to get insurance. Because the insurance insures drivers, not owners of vehicles, but drivers in the house. That's why we don't have a driver's license. I bet an amendment that would have said we could, we could exempt any young person who lives at home that cannot afford to get a driver's license because they can't be on the insurance. I bet you it would, have, it would have been rejected just like every single amendment was rejected when we tried to make this bill a better piece of legislation. And that's the reality. I don't have to convince him about 795000 That was Greg Abbott's number. I wonder how those, those young girls were, uh, what age they were, because they ordinarily wouldn't have a driver's license. You, know, you, okay. could, you could I ask actually, them. Actually, before you should, we go you should any ask further, I, I would like us to get, dig into some of the details sure. of the law. So for example, we know in other states that do have voter ID laws, there is a free provision of an ID. Can we talk about that? Can I start? We have the free provision it, in the it, Texas law. It's my law. turn. I'd like to go first. <laughs> Because Jose mentioned, he said, oh, you know, Georgia, the Supreme Court answered this in Georgia. They're absolutely right. Indiana said this was paramount. This was simple fix. Absolutely. As Jose knows, in the practice of law, you have your burden of proof. In Indiana, the burden wasn't on the state. The burden was on the plaintiffs to show that this was a problem. Very different in Texas. And even what's even more different in Texas a birth certificate costs $3 in Indiana. It costs $22 here. And what's even more different than Indiana in Texas is that Indiana law requires a Bureau of Motor Vehicles to be in every county of the state. That's the state law. Here, I just told you, 81 counties don't have it. Let's talk about Georgia. Georgia said in the law that pre-cleared and passed in Crawford, Georgia said the ID is free. If you don't have ID, you can get one for free. You get your birth certificate to prove who you are, that's free too. And guess what? Every county in Georgia was required to have an office to give the election certificates that we tried to do on the cheap, make people pay $22, and that's just for a birth certificate. For those of you that actually can vote and you're a citizen and you've been nationalized, it'll cost you $350 to get a copy of your, of your citizenship papers. And so that's why, that's why the Texas law was... Can you walk to, us through the, I happen to be the free a, identification? I happen to be an immigrant to this country. I have my naturalization Could you answer certificate. the question of what walking us through we, we the have a free, free ID. ID. We but do can, have but a, can you walk... I, I am somebody right. who doesn't have any identification. Okay. And I want to vote, and I don't have the money to do it. Representative Alizea, how do I get this free document to vote? Well, you take your birth certificate to a DMV office, mm -hmm. actually DPS, it's not called DMV here, and they issue you an identification. For free? Yes, okay. if, if, you can't, if you can't prove that, if you can prove that you can't afford it, which you fill out a statement saying, I can't afford it, and we issue one for free. Okay. That's not it. That's wrong. All right, so we have two legislators here who are in, 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 the, in, the, in the session who drafted this bill. 
So Representative Martinez Fisher is saying no, and you're saying this is how yeah, it works. This, this is, I need is, some help, this some is clarification part of, this is, here. This is, this, is, this is the movida. This is how you know we create this atmosphere that the sky is falling. The, I, the EIC is free, Jose. You don't have to prove that you can't afford it. The EIC is free. But to get an EIC, you have to prove who you are. And if your house burned down and you don't have a birth certificate, guess what? 22 bucks. If you are married and divorced and you have a different last name, you need to prove who you to are. To get Social Security, you need hey, a birth certificate, your original if, birth certificate. If you like, so if these you individuals like, that don't have money, they, they're able to apply like, for okay. Social Security? I can completely interrupt you, too, all right? But I haven't, but I should. Uh, and so what I'm telling you is it takes ID to get ID. You and I both know that. That is not free. And that's what the court said. Okay, so for clarification purposes of, of the audience then, so there is free ID, but it's the back step then that does require cost, unlike say in Georgia, where you do have the ability to obtain a free birth certificate, which then allows you to obtain a free photo ID. And Can really, we all agree on that? What's really interesting is the reason why it's free is because during the debate, we found out that we were gonna let people go to the DPS and get an ID that everyone else is gonna have to pay $16 for, $22 for, whatever the rate was, but lo and behold, we have a Texas Constitution, and you would think with all these strict interpretation people we have and strict constructionists, we would have said, wait a minute, we can't trample on the Texas Constitution because guess what? The Texas Constitution says you will not take money out of DPS for these IDs because it goes to the mobility fund because Republicans think it's better to build roads with credit cards. And when you charge your roads, you need a mobility fund to pay the bills. And so in order to guarantee that debt service to the bondholders, guess what? Okay. Don't touch that money. So that's why they're free. They're not free because of the benevolence. They're free because you can't do it. All right. I'm trying, I'm trying to get some agreement here. So what if, what if Texas were to uh, emulate Georgia? How would you feel about that, Jose? Where he said, okay, we give you the free photo ID, but if you don't have a, a birth certificate and you can't afford it, we will also provide that free of charge. Is that I, something you could I, see your party agreeing to? I could to? see agreeing okay. to that. Trey. I would say yes, and I would say, like Georgia, put a DPS office in every county of the state. Okay, we see a little movement uh, here. There's some counties in this state that have less than, than 200 residents. Hey, they pay taxes. <laughs> they pay I understand, taxes. but do you have any idea what it costs to man a DPS office? I mean, individuals can, go, can apply for services by getting their original birth certificate, such as Social Security. They can, they can apply for services for... Uh, SNAP, which is what used to be TANF, what used to be welfare, using an identification card. I, I, I find it difficult to believe that people do not have the resources. We keep coming we, back to We can to make a deal same. right here. If, if in fact, Jose, if in fact that when you go get SNAP and TANF, that whatever you have in order to get it, if that's enough for you, then why don't we say, you know what, if you have SNAP and TANF, you can vote. Forget going to DPS. As, as long as you're proving who you are, I don't have a problem with okay, that. Okay, so I, I want to move forward. We have I wish he was coming back next session so we could pass it now. <laughs> we, uh, be, because we did get agreement. We did get agreement on the, the pre-provision of a birth certificate, in theory at least. Um, I do want to take a step back, and I think the root of the problem of voter ID is actually the ramshackle system that we have of voter registration where what usually happens is you fill out a paper card and then you have to turn it in and a person has to physically input the data and that's where we see, we know of hundreds of cases from established research, thousands of cases, that that's where you get the typos that where people aren't able 
to vote, people who are deceased stay on the rolls, and it's cause for voter it's, fraud. It's, or it's also, allow me to finish, please. And also, keeping people who shouldn't be voting on the rolls. Um, so I would also like to talk to you about what Texas envisions for this stage in terms of modernizing and trying to find a truce with this debate of voter ID by technologically approaching the issue of voter registration. I Representative think it, Alice. I, I think it's worse than that. Uh, the, the current system we have allows you to double register, to be registered in multiple counties, to use different names, to have people like Mickey Mouse registered. Uh, it's, it's atrocious. And that's why I think part of the, the recommendations by the Carter-Baker Commission were to require an identification card for first-time registration, a photo identification card for first-time registration. I'd like to see us clean up our registration process. I do think it's something that we need to do. So I would agree with you. Mm -hmm. I, I, think it, I think it cheapens uh, the Secretary of State's office to say that it's a lousy system. Uh, you will know that if you, first of all, the, the voter application is a federally mandated form that you have to follow. Okay, so they're pretty much uniform throughout the country. And in Texas's system, when you drop that postcard in the mail, you have your driver's license, you have your social security number on there, and they do an in-house match. And if they find something wrong, when you go vote, after you first registered, guess what? You have to show ID, men and women. You have to show your ID. You're, you're shaking your head, but you don't know. And so... No personal tax what, here, what please. I, and so what I am saying is that's the Secretary of State's provision right now. We have a voter ID if you're not who you are. The problem's in the mail ballot fraud. And, and Jose knows this. He was a county attorney. He said he investigated mail ballot fraud all over the place doesn't have any criminal prosecutions to back it up, but he's... I got two convictions, Mr. Fisher. Did you bring and me his trial transcript? Okay. I can read you your trial transcript. And, and if, if you lied to that court, you're going to have more convictions to worry about. Uh, okay. because, because you and I both know that you say to the trial that you investigated, you brought in the Texas Rangers to I check did. it out. And, and, and one person pled guilty according to your court transcript, but you had no criminal convictions. You did not prove this in court. This person took a plea. I, I actually tried the case I'll, I'll and went to you. the Court of Appeal. Okay, wait, wait, I'll show wait. you better. No, no, I'm not. He, he, he opened the door. Let's talk about it. You, if no, you really, no. really want to fix it. Give me a pause here. One minute. We, I'm talking about voter registration. And right. you guys have gone around this and, issue time and time again. And this panel's on voter ID. It's not on voter exactly, registration. Exactly, which is the root cause Absolutely. of voter registration. That is, that is completely it inaccurate. Is. That is um, uh, the two boxes Mr. Martinez complained about that need to be filled in, they don't have to be filled in. You can be registered without filling in uh, uh, your driver's license or your, your specific identification And when you're card. not a match, when you don't match, and you do that, and you show up, if, if you get the voter card like you think that happens, I'll spot you that. Okay, fine. Let's say you're right. You can just put your name, nothing else. You get a voter ID card. You show up your first day to vote, I guarantee you, you're, they will ask you for ID because you will be flagged. Mr. Martinez-Fisher, there is a Republican congressional candidate in South Texas, registered to vote here in Austin, and registered to vote in Cameron okay, this County. Is, this has gotten to be a shouting match. <laughs> I am going to open it up to the audience because I want the audience sure. to have the opportunity to ask both of you what is on their mind. Do we have any questions? Excellent. Sure. Can we? I think she raised her hand first. I did. Gentlemen. 
ago? Ratliff? Sure. Yeah, whatever his position was, I was at a meeting and he was asked this question on voter ID. His answer was that the prosecuting attorney has authority right now, without additional law, to handle this problem. Well, that's a great, that's a great question because what I have right here is a case. Jose Ornelas versus Victor Rodriguez. Jose Ornelas is the constable of Frio County. He lost his runoff by 15 votes. He thought he got cheated because of mail fraud. He came to my office. He hired me as a lawyer. We filed a lawsuit. And look, guess what? We find out 94 people had voted by mail, and 57 mail ballots went to two addresses, one in San Antonio and one in another county. In 25 days, the cheater quit, signed an order, and said, my guy is the constable. You don't need Texas Rangers. You don't need laws. You don't need that we have the laws. If you want to get the fraud, it's in the mail ballots. And we did this in 25 days. We spent since 2005 trying to perfect the system. Uh, and frankly, we're wasting people's time and people's money. Uh, and so that's proof positive that the system works. And if anybody has an interest in the outcome, it's going to be those men and women who put their names on the ballot, who win and lose based by the choices voters make. And trust me, when those calls are like that and you know there's nefarious conduct, they are going to step up just like they did in this like case. The, like the district attorney in Jim Wells County in this last Democratic primary that lost by 19 votes, and uh, 18 of those were cast by people over 110 years old, like that guy. He, he tried to turn over that election. He wasn't able to do that. There's fraud everywhere in, this, in, in these elections, and it's not as simple as, as filing lawsuits. No. We've had at least four or five election contests in Bee County that I know of, and yes, I did prosecute. My case actually went to the Court of Appeals, 13th Court of Appeals, if, if you want to look it up in the law books. Okay, gentlemen. Uh, yes, uh, when the state has a $28 billion budget deficit, how does the Republican Party justify spending an additional $12 million for election identification certificates for a non-existent problem? Um, I can tell you how they justify it. I happen to believe that voting is a fundamental constitutional right, and I think it needs to be protected. Then why are you blocking by, by people a simple, from casting their ballots? Common sense solution is as voter ID. That's how I can tell you. I think it's, it's worth every dollar mm -hmm. that we can spend to, to keep our electoral system safe. It's, it's, worth, it's worth every dollar, and you should know that the bill cost $2 million. That was the fiscal note, and guess what? It didn't come from Jose's pocket. It came from the federal government for the, under the Help America Vote Act. We're going to use $2 million so that we can have a website, run some commercials, let people That's know. That's funny. The I, pay, I pay federal income taxes. How is it that it might, didn't come out of my pocket? Well, I thought you were in the 47%. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. <laughs> Ma'am. <laughs> Yesterday on KUT, can you hear me? Yesterday on KUT, they had a, um, a spot where they were talking about that the state of Texas wanted to purge the voter rolls of like 80,000 people. And um, so they sent this letter out, and there were four of those kids that to say, we understand you're dead, sort of a deal. And they had these four people that have decided to sue now and say, well, we're alive. So like, what is, what is the deal with that? I guess that's my question is, how could that even begin to happen? Mm. Well, uh, it, it happens because the, the act, actually the, the U.S. law requires that, that states on a periodic basis look for things such as dead people to purge them from their voter rolls. And the reason, the, the way we do it in Texas is if we get a notice that someone may be potentially deceased, there is a card or a letter sent to their residents to tell them, hey, 
we're showing that you may be deceased. Please indicate whether you're alive or not. And then you're allowed to stay on the voter rolls. Well, I will, uh, I'll make these documents available online, but if you look at Representative Alaceda's testimony in Washington, they asked him, did you see the results of a 2007 audit of Texas voter rolls in your statement in support of SB 14, right? Yes. Did you review the audit prior to describing it on the floor of the Texas House? Actually, I did. And did the audit not find a single incident in which potentially ineligible voters actually voted during a prior election? I believe the Secretary of State's witness already testified as to why that would be the case. But yes, you're correct. And so there was an audit in 07. If there's people on the roll, the audit process to get off the voter rolls is not very easy. You don't just hit delete. It's a process. But in an audit in 2007, people that they suspected to be ineligible voters, not one vote was cast. And the audit confirms that. And he knew that. And the he Secretary of State testified at that same trial that we had over 200 potentially dead people vote in our last election. Okay. Now we're going to have a live person ask a question. Yes. <laughs> Thank Does you she have an much. identification card? Uh, no, She's no, from no. B County. Like you, I have three. I can bring them up for you if you need that. Um, I am curious about some of the technicalities of voter ID laws. One of the things we see is people ask for a photo ID, but also a photo ID with an expiration date. I don't know if you're familiar. I have a photo ID in my purse from the University of Texas that was issued by the state of Texas. It does not have an expiration date on it. So under those types of laws, that voter ID wouldn't be good enough for me to go to the polls and vote. Are you guys worried about how laws like that might affect young voters and college students and their ability to be heard as they're allowed to be in our elections? In our current, in our current law, mm -hmm. uh, you don't need an, an identification card to vote. If you have your voter registration certificate, you can go vote without an identification card. In the hypothetical world where voter, voter ID law moves forward, is that a concern you think we should worry about? Well, under Senate Bill 14, you couldn't vote with that university ID anyway. Uh, and, and in fact, um, you could use it in Idaho. Mm -hmm. uh, you, could, you could use it in several states where they just have shown ID. There was an amendment that would have allowed that to occur. It was rejected with very little debate. Uh, and so, so frankly, uh, if state employees have IDs issued by state agencies, if universities issue IDs to their students, why couldn't they be used? Why not those IDs, but yes, for concealed handgun licenses? Guess what? I looked, up, I looked up what the University of Texas at Austin requires for ident a student identification card requires a government-issued photo ID as proof of identity, U.S. or Canadian driver's license, temporary license, instruction permit, passport, alien registration card with photo, U.S. citizen ID card or resident citizen ID card. So just to get a student ID, you needed to have an ID, a photo, a government-issued photo ID. Right, but should I also have to take a government-issued photo ID to the polls to vote, or and, can my university ID count? And all that proves Under our current, you, if, all, if our current law exists, it, yes, you would need to have one of the five required IDs for the university. And all that for, demonstrates is that it's easier to get into UT than it is to vote under SB 14. Yeah, and the young lady brings up an interesting point. Um, it, when we talk about photo ID, it's not just a generic term. Depending on your state, some states will require you to have a uh, valid one. So for example, it has not expired. So if you expired a week ago and you go to vote, you can't. Or if you're uh, somebody who has changed your name for whatever reason, then that might not be eligible to. So it's, it's very diverse. It ranges from state to state. But you have to also keep in mind that, um, that date criteria. All right, gentlemen over here. Thank you. Um, you know, there's no doubt that if you look at this legislation that was passed a few years ago, it was done in haste. And uh, it was a priority of the governor to get it done, and it got done. 
Uh, my question is, now we're going coming upon the next legislative session, is there anything that uh, y'all can think of or could agree on that uh, could be before to reform the process? Is there any kind of hope here that we can address? Since it was such a hot topic last session, is there something we can look forward to this session and say, hey, look, things are going to improve, we're going to tweak. And what are those tweaks we're talking about? Look, uh, you say it was done in haste. The legislature meets once every two years for 140 days. Everything we do is in haste. Everything. The other thing is, I've already agreed with Mr. Martinez-Fisher that perhaps we should have free birth certificates if that's what it's going to take. In, in uh, 2009, Democrats and Republicans were working very hard to try to pass something. Uh, and so there's always this notion that Democrats are just against this. That's not the case. Democrats have had proposals that say, you know what, let's soften up the language on ID, let's let people vote with affidavit, and if they lied, it's a felony. They go to prison. That's tough on crime. Not enough. Now, here's, you know, like I said, here, here's what Idaho does. Idaho says you can vote with an ID, a photo ID, very broad, and if you show up, to vote and you don't have an ID and you have a problem because you have a religious objection or whatever it is, you can vote with an affidavit. And if you find, if, if you lie, you just sworn a document, it's a felony. Uh, you know, so I say this, if we are able to wrap our arms around an ID, if the ID is the unifying document, then I say, why do you even need to register? If we say this is the ID, if you have it, great. If you don't have it, we'll get it for you for free. And guess what? Once you have it, you show up on election day, you flash that card, and you vote. We've offered that as a compromise. You want the ID? Great. We want more access. Oh, no, we can't do that. We can't have people vote. I mean, we just want them to register. We want them to have IDs, but we don't want them to use it. If, right. if Jose meets me halfway, we'll make that deal right now. All right. We heard it here first. <laughs> Wish I had that power. The gentleman over here. The young Hi, um, my question is for Representative Jose. Um, I heard you say earlier as I walked in that a voter ID law would instill confidence in the voters. Is that correct? I didn't just say that. The Supreme Court of the United States said that. The Carter-Baker Commission said that. Well, what I'm wondering is what does that mean? I mean, would that increase voter turnout in the years to come, or is there any evidence that yes. increased confidence would mean increased voters? Yes. Because, I mean... It, and I'm not trying to be biased, honestly, but I'm saying everything I had seen about voter ID says that this will actually, like, decrease the turnout to the polls. Everything you've heard, and you've heard it from the Democrats. But the reality is, the reality is, is that voting actually increased after Indiana passed its voter ID requirement. Voting actually increased in Georgia after Georgia passed its voter ID requirement. So, yes, I, and it makes sense. Think about it. If you had confidence in the system, more confidence in the system, would you not be more likely to vote? It was, just, it was just really remotely coincidental that uh, Senator Barack Obama was on the ballot in Indiana in 2008 after the voter ID bill was passed. It happened to be a battleground state. Of course. Actually, it was, was 2006 up. that Indiana passed its law, and they had an election right after that where they showed increased participation. Well, I'm going to offer an alternative hypothesis, and this is something that we've been seeing in this election season, is that in response to this wave of um, election legislation, we've seen a lot of mobilization among Democrats and among certain segments of the population and saying, well, there may be this barrier, so we are going to push extra harder to register. So I think that's another root cause of it. Gentlemen over here. Um, I guess I'll direct this question towards Representative uh, Ali Seda. Um, you know, well, obviously you can weigh in. Um, now, I, I don't mean to ask this in, like, in, in any inflammatory way. I just want to be very plain about it. So. Um, a lot of the charges leveled against the voter ID law are that 
it will, you know, not, not only in Texas, but, you know, everywhere. Um, it will disenfranchise minority voters and not allow them to, not allow them to have the same access to polls that other people do. So my question to you is, um, I, I'm assuming you categorically deny that because obviously no one's going to support it, but do you understand, I, I, I guess, do you understand why those charges are made and then what is your uh, defense against that? What is your argument against um, um, you know, the Republican Party possibly trying to disenfranchise minority voters so that they gain an advantage in the polls? Well, that was never my motives in, in trying to pass this legislation, but I will say this. I, I don't happen to think that minorities are some group that has to be coddled and are helpless. That's the way the Democrats painted you in that lawsuit in Washington, D.C. We, we should stand up for our rights. We should have the same responsibility as anyone else to exercise, exercise our constitutional rights. In addition, I submit to you that the very people that they're saying don't have these IDs actually are the ones that need them the most and are the ones most likely to have those IDs because they're going to depend on these social services that require them to have these IDs. Do they not want them to have these services? Because that's what, in fact, they're, they're saying by saying, well, well, they don't need to have that because they don't need that to vote. The reality is, is, is if anybody wants that dependent class, it's the Democrats. The, the coddling is called the Voting Rights Act of 1965. The coddling, Texas didn't volunteer to be a covered jurisdiction under the Voting Rights Act. They're under the Voting Rights Act for a reason. We have a, we have a ugly history that we like to forget and gloss over. But guess what? Since Texas became a covered jurisdiction in 1973, the Department of Justice has objected to everything Texas has done when it comes to changing voting patterns and procedures. And we knew this. It happened in 1975, happened in 1980, happened in 1990, happened in 2000. It happened in 2010. It happened with voter ID. You know, and guess what? We knew all that back in 2006 when President George W. Bush reauthorized the Voting Rights Act when he was president, and it was a unanimous vote nearly in the U.S. Senate, and it was nearly unanimous in the U.S. House. No one has a problem with the Voting Rights Act, but when you can't use it and work your way around it, and all of a sudden it becomes problematic. I wonder where the Republican Party has drifted from the days of George W. when he embraced the reauthorization, not for five years, but for 25 years. That's a big step. And now we're trying to get rid of it. Thank you. Thank you. I've had the opportunity to actually read the opinion, and the court was very critical on the state of Texas for intentionally failing to subpoena crucial evidence to make their case. Do you think that the state of Texas set up this case to fail in order to use it as a vehicle to take it to the Supreme Court to address the constitutionality of Section 5? I mean, I think the voting rights experts, there's a lot of you know, quarterbacking in the opinion that this was, this was the layup to the voting rights. We know Shelby County is already there. You know that. You're a very prolific reader and know your voting rights. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this. I mean, Texas could have challenged the constitutionality of voting rights act in redistricting. Uh, and we know from that opinion uh, there's some very ugly discrimination that, that happened in the map-making process. In the voting rights, what you're talking about, what Ramedo's talking about is, is the Attorney General Abbott said 795,000 people do not have ID that are registered to vote. Uh, and then the AG said, well, but we know that if we get access to passport information, we get access to uh, you know, national documents and national databases, we can go prove and we can shrink that number. And so they asked the Attorney General Eric Holder to produce all that. Eric Holder said, I don't have control of that. Why don't you subpoena these agencies? <coughs> Texas never did. And we're actually scolded by the federal court for not doing it. And so, you know, I, I think that, that uh, the Texas, I mean, the court in Washington was very, very, had a very high opinion uh, of, the, of the case. 
were very critical of the lawyering that was taking place and a lot of these tactics that were, you know, big on talk and, and small on delivery. The voting, the voting Rights Act requires that, that the state of Texas prove a negative, which I think is impossible. Uh, I mean, it, it, we must prove that whatever law we pass doesn't somehow hurt the minorities. How do you do that? Georgia did How do it. I prove, for example, Georgia did it. Georgia did it with a George Bush Georgia did Justice under Department. Georgia did but, it under but, Crawford. But uh, how do I prove, for example, that Mr. Martinez, how does he prove that he doesn't, that he doesn't walk around in his house in, in women's underwear? I mean, that, that's kind of like having to prove uh, a negative. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the kind of burden that the, the state of Texas as if, is. As if we've been roommates or something. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fit into women's underwear. I, I understand. <laughs> I sympathize. <laughs> Lo siento. <laughs> Okay, on that note, <laughs> it's not an image. I... All right. Uh, my name is Stuart Maple. I live in Houston. I serve on the Ballot Security Committee of the Republican Party of Harris County. I was uh, in the well of the House uh, when Mr. Martinez and, and Mr. Alceda were doing their vetting of the size. You guys really have very good presentation skills. My question is about uh, across the county, there's a, across the country, there is a group in Houston called the King Street Patriots. They have enacted a, a, a voter. Uh, initiative to check all the counties across America. There are approximately, I think a little over 100 counties that either have in the high 90s over 100 uh, percent of voter folks who are uh, over the amount of folks that are available to vote. And so, and a lot of them are in Ohio. I'm going into Ohio uh, four days before the election in Columbus, Ohio, which I believe is the, the center of this election. Uh, so how come this great reluctance of these county officials to check the rolls? Because it's, a, it's actually built into the law that it makes it difficult for you to purge a voter. And, and that was part of the plan, I think. But, but I have those, a lot of them are in Ohio, I have those counties why. in my district. I have one county, Goliad County, that has over 100% registration if you go by, go by the Census Bureau as the number of people that are eligible to vote in that county. I have another county, Jim Wells County, which is home of the infamous Box 13, that has over 90% registration. The state average is only 76% registration. That's the same county that I'm talking to you about that had 13, well actually I think it was in the neighboring county, uh, Brooks County, that had 13 people over the age of 110 vote in this district attorney's election. I'll share one other story with you uh, in 2008, the night well, before let the... Well, let's permit uh, Representative oh, no, no. I mean, Martinez I don't have, I don't have much to add, but I mean, you know, if, if what you're saying, you know, is a, is a legitimate concern, I mean, shouldn't we be working on that? Shouldn't we spend our time... We have 140 days every two years. Deborah Danberg's from Houston. She's been working on elections for I had lunch for with her today. I had lunch with her today. Did you buy? Uh, <laughs> and, and so... I, ju I just met her. And I... Deborah, I would have bought your lunch. Yeah, she's and, a great and so, <laughs> Deborah's been doing election work for 20 years. I know. I wonder if, 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 if these issues came up, but, but this is a very good point. These are the sort of things that we really should be talking about. These are the things that we should be trying to get our arms around. Uh, and and if, the, if Secretary of State doesn't have the power to make these roles more efficient, then we should work on that. But since 05, we've been creating these solutions to go find problems. I'll tell you, you're a great lawyer. If I needed help, I'll hire you. Yeah. All right, young gentleman over here. If you're a constable, I could get you back. I could, I could put you back in office. Uh, it's kind of a two-part question. I guess my first one is, uh, it's a point of order for Trey Martinez-Fisher um, about, wasn't the Democrat Party in power in 1965, which kind of brought out the whole bad actions with the whole Voting Rights Act, including the Box uh, 13? I think, the, I think the president was from Texas. If I'm yeah, not okay. 
just, just to clarify. Uh, second part about the Voting Rights Act, don't you think that Section 5 is actually making things worse in terms of uh, us being able to catch voter fraud, mm -hmm. in terms of it being kind of a, we're going to isolate these particular states as opposed to an all or nothing type of approach, and that the voter ID you know, is a step that we as Texas are possibly trying to take to address some of these issues, and that that Section 5 is kind of preventing us from addressing you know, the broader span that you know, the whole country is really having to address? Well, you, you must have arrived late, because I said one person was indicted after the 2010 election out of 10 million registered voters. There is not a voter ID problem in the state of Texas. There's a mail ballot problem in the state of Texas. Folks don't want to fix it. Uh, and, and so with regard to the Voting Rights Act actually hindering progress, I think that where Texas made a mistake is they actually put the Voting Rights Act in the national sphere. Because now if there's ever a textbook case for why you want to keep the Voting Rights Act, you have a redistricting opinion that speaks volumes to that. You have a voter ID opinion that speaks volumes to that. And guess what? Just in the context of redistricting, nine federal judges looked at redistricting maps, five of them appointed by Republican presidents. And guess what? They were nearly unanimous in all of their findings. The TC panel had one disagreement in the ultimate decision on Section 5, and that's whether or not Lloyd Doggett deserves a district in Austin. That was a two-to-one split. Other than that, they were together. They said, we just don't have a problem here. We have intentional discrimination. I want you to go find the last time there was a case of intentional discrimination found in a voting rights case. That is bad stuff. That isn't we did it on accident. That isn't we did it recklessly. That is we sat in a room and we figured out how are we gonna, how are we gonna run the scam and try to get away with it. That's pretty bad yeah. stuff. Representative? Uh, think about what this court in District of Columbia said to Texas. Texas, you can't have the same law Indiana has. Do you think that's equal protection under the law? I, I don't think it is. That's what, what is in fact happening with what the D.C. court is saying, is that the, the same safeguards, the same confidence that the citizens of Indiana enjoy in their election system, Texas can't have. And we'll see if the Supreme Court agrees. Okay. Over here. Uh, I'll be very brief. I have one comment one question. Uh, I, I was surprised that nobody brought up the fact that you can order a birth certificate from the Texas State website and all you need is a person's name and their birth date and you can have it delivered to any address in the United, in, inside Texas. Um, that seems to work against the idea that we're going to be we're going to be verifying people's identification if you can go and get anybody's birth certificate and then and then go and get a voter ID based on that. That's that's my one comment. My my question is, I'm a county uh, deputy voter registrar in Collin County. And I would wonder if, uh, if we would be open to talking about things that might offset the problems of voter ID, such as uh, allowing voter registrars to work anywhere within the state rather than within a county so that voter registrars could go out into those urban areas that don't have DPS offices and be able to register people and under perjurious consequences be able to verify that this person, excuse me, this person uh, is a voter in Texas um, and also uh, be able to in some ways restrict the information that's on voter lists so that further voter fraud could not be perpetuated by using previous voters' names and, and voter information to then uh, create new voter IDs. Those are actually good concepts. Sounds like a topic for discussion. All right, good. Okay. Well, we're going to have two more questions over here. Uh, yes. Uh, recently, uh, members of the King Street Patriots group that the gentleman from Houston mentioned were uh, 
uh, found to be guilty in an address fraud case involving a water district election in Montgomery County where they registered people at a Comfort Inn where they did not live. Does the state have any plans on combating address fraud efforts uh, to stop voters from lying about their address? Uh, does either party plan on addressing this fraud that actually is happening? Well, I, I can tell you as, from a perspective as a county attorney who's actually investigated voter fraud, I had one residence in my county uh, that had 18 registered voters. Is that a, a recipe for voter fraud or not? Anyone could pass out, anyone in that household could have 18 voter registration cards to pass out to go affect an election. This voter fraud is actually occurring in these small elections. That's where the money is. These school board elections where they hand out contracts, uh, these other elections where, where uh, uh, county commissioners get to dole out patronage, that's where, where these, these uh, voter frauds are actually occurring in South Texas. So yes, I would agree with you. There is something going on with the registration process, which I think we've discussed. The moderator mentioned it. There is a flaw in our registration process. It is too easy to register without proving who you are or that you're an actual live person. I think Attorney General's own public data says your voter activity lies in poll workers, uh, election officials, and mail ballots. And I think that if that's where the Attorney General identifies, this is a special unit that's dedicated to this. If that's where he thinks the problem is, that's what we need to be fixing. And let's fix that first. And whatever else is not working, let's get after it. But things that really aren't necessary, why bother? Last question. I keep hearing about Mickey Mouse registering around the country, and I'm wondering how many recorded cases there are of Mr. Mouse showing up to vote. Okay. I, I, that I, I probably, Response? I would agree with you that uh, Mickey Mouse probably wouldn't show up to vote, but I bet you if someone used uh, Joe Smith, all they need to do is come in and say they're Joe, Joe Smith with a voter registration card and get to vote. That's the problem. That is a problem. And why are these stories about ACORN important? They're important because the, the, the public hears these stories and they think, well, what are we doing to protect our system? They need an ID card to go buy liquor at the liquor store if they even look remotely like they're 21 years of age, to buy a cigarette, to buy a Sudafed. Why is it that you don't need it for something as important and fundamental as voting? It doesn't make sense. It's not common sense. All right, well, why don't we go ahead and conclude. We have, uh, I think we all are in need of a little relaxation over at the garden party. Um, to recap, though, there was a lot of back and forth here. This is a very, very heated subject, but we were able to seed a couple points together. And first of all, trying to think about a way to make a uh, birth certificate free of charge. And the gentleman who proposed that perhaps um, allowing voter registrars more mobility which is, gets to the point that Trey had about um, if you don't have DPS offices in every county, and then, but that's costly, perhaps if we allow that mobility. So we hope that in the following legislative session, we take these issues Please, if you, if you even look like you're 21, 21 years of age, bring a photo ID if you want to get some beer at uh, Schultz's Garden. All right, thank you all. <laughs>